630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores. Raleigh takes the step, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30, Chad. Live from the NMAX Centrium in Red Deer, Alberta, it's the only show that's even more awkward than an Ottawa Senators video. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad, Oilers and Eskimos Radio. One hour away from dropping the puck between the Edmonton Oilers rookies and the Calgary Flames rookies. Great to have you along for the ride tonight. Fans starting to file into the building. Oh, it's going to be half blue and orange, half red and white we are in the middle of this incredible provincial rivalry and i'm pleased to be joined right out of the gate who better to have on the show when we visit red deer legendary rebels broadcaster former whl goaltender and a man who proudly grew up in northeast edmonton the one and only cam moon hi cam wow that's a that's quite a build-up i can't live up to half of that but i did grow up in northeast edmonton so i can can live up what was your neighborhood again i was in evansdale yeah. And you blessed where you played your minor hockey? Uh, yeah, some there. And then Maple Leaf Athletic Club, right. once you get older, once you get into good. Bantam and Midget. Well, debatable on that. But yeah, uh, yeah, Maple Leaf Athletic Club. Proud of the MLAC. So we're here in Red Deer tonight. Uh, Evan Poli is ready to go. Oh, you know, yeah. You know him well. Well, he, he was so ready, Reed. When the team showed up, he made a tour to the Rebel dressing room to see uh, the training staff. Then he made a tour up to the Rebel office to go see everybody that was there and he is like the mayor of red deer uh evan poli who for three of his he played four years here for three of them he was the humanitarian of the year for the team he did so much in the community so what kind of stuff did he do uh, you name it he went to uh we have a uh, a program with a local elementary school where the players become teacher assistants over the course of the season. And he was there as much as he needed to be, and then even more. He was there as, as much as the teachers could handle, quite honestly. <laughs> uh, so he was with that. Uh, he helped out. We did, a, we did a, a TV feature here in town about the best five uh, outdoor rinks in Red Deer because we've got a great ODR system in this town. So he helped us uh, go to all the outdoor rinks. Uh, anything we had to do, the Festival of Trees that's held in the pavilion next door, he helped set up, take it down like anything that had to be do be done community wise he was in that's that's so cool to hear and that's such a great thing about about junior hockey yeah uh, you know there are obviously are you know Edmonton and Calgary have teams but there are smaller cities junior a I mean tonight the yep. game in Humboldt so exactly I mean what the Broncos have meant to that community even before the tragedy is, yep. is incredible and, that, and that's so cool about Poli and Nuge in town today talking yeah. about how much he loved living here and going to see his billets whenever he comes back so awesome uh, and I mean that's that's the that's the the cool thing you guys that make the nhl 
incredible. Obviously, yeah, you yeah. Know, that's that, that's the cream of the crop. But all the guys who sometimes stay in a community or spend some of their early years of adulthood in a community, and it all they always get that slice of feeling like it's home when they go back. It's it's important. I, I think it's important for junior hockey teams right across Canada, and everybody does a really good job of it. Of make sure you put back. Make sure you're you're, you're getting a lot from the community. Make sure you're putting something back into the community. Uh, the players as role models, or you know, as it turns out, as teacher assistants that that we have, or if we're going to a school to do uh, some reading or whatever the case may be. And Evan was always the first guy to say, "Yeah, I want to go." But I think it's important. And, and you were in Lloydminster; you, mm-hmm. you would have saw what uh, yep. that team meant to that uh, that uh, city. I mean, it's a big deal. So yeah, you got to put back. And, and I love to see that when teams do that uh, at whatever level. All right, so Polai's ready to go tonight. Uh, I mentioned Nuge was uh, here for uh, lunch today, and uh, training camp starts tomorrow for the Oilers. By the way, if you're checking, uh, there is no news on Darnell Nurse Oil Country, so uh, we, we don't expect him to uh, partake in the early stages of training camp here, and then we'll, we'll see beyond that. Uh, Nugent Hopkins obviously was an incredible WHL player, drafted first overall by the Oilers after a 106-point season with the Rebels. In Cam, I mean, look, he was drafted first overall, yeah. so the expectation is there. But you especially have always said, even during tough times for the Nuge, tough time for the Oilers, you've always said, hold on, he's, he's going to be fine. And now... Maybe he's Connor McDavid, well, likely Connor McDavid's yeah. uh, line mate. So you personally got to be thrilled about. I, that. I am absolutely enthused uh, beyond repair for him to to have that success that he had late in the season. And and Ty Ratty goes in and and just seems to mesh well with those two guys late in the season. Does that parlay into to this year? I guess we'll find out. I'm sure he'll get every opportunity. But I'm not surprised with Nuge. His hockey IQ is off the charts. And in the first few years, maybe. Uh, had to get a little bit stronger and maybe a little bit bigger and and i think that's fair comment uh, coming out of the western league he wasn't the biggest guy right. <laughs> so you get a little bit stronger you get that man strength and then uh, the game becomes a, a bit easier for him because of that strength but he always thought the game at, at the highest level and that smarts is going to win out and it's it's really hard to coach players that don't have a real good hockey IQ. His hockey IQ is unbelievable and, and it's hard to like learn that. Either you, you have it or you don't. And He definitely has it in spades and it's starting to show. Alright, so you've done, I, I know we, we celebrated the milestone with an interview last year, but I always forget the number. Is it 1,500 I, games or 15,000? No, it's 1,500 <laughs> of some sort. I don't know. I, yeah, if it's... <laughs> You've done, you know, you've done you've done a lot of I've Rebels done a games. couple of games. You've done a yes. few games. All right, so I'm going to throw this at you since okay. we're talking about Nuge. Sure. Uh, in your era, okay. Greatest? Are there? Are, is there five greatest Rebels players? Three oh. greatest? Is there an obvious yeah, like, cut where these guys Nuge, were? The thing is with Nuge, he was only here for his 16 and 17 year old years. Okay. And yes, he was off the charts great, but. We only saw those first two seasons. I mean, a lot of the guys that you know play four years or five years here have more impact sure. because of those eighteen and nineteen-year-old years where they're they're you know at the top, at the absolute top. So, yeah, there's been there's been some real top-end guys. And Jim Vandermeer was here for four years. It went on to an NHL career. I I don't know if in my my time here, which is twenty years, I've seen a guy that has scared the heck out of people on the ice like he has his 20 year old year it was unbelievable i i remember a game here in his 20 year old season which was the memorial cup winning season and john short legendary john short was here to watch the game and he goes cam it's unbelievable says to me in the intermission 
it's a five on three. Rebels have the three, yet nobody will go in front of the net because Vandermeer was in front of the net back when you could clear it out the way he was clearing it out. And, uh, and people were legitimately scared of him. Uh, so he was right up there. Cam Ward, who played four yep. seasons here, or three seasons here with the Red Deer Rebels. He was a first-round pick of Carolina and has had a great NHL career. Uh, he is he was uh, an amazing goaltender uh, during his time here. And you could tell when he came in at 17 after playing AAA Midget in Sherwood Park as a 16, came in at 17, and you're like, by Christmas, you knew he was special. Like, you, this guy is, is going to play. He's going to play in the NHL one day, and he did. All right. Uh, wh- where are you guys at? A couple more preseason games than yeah. regular season for the Rebels? We're in St. Albert on Friday to play the Oil Kings. Right. Then we're at home on Saturday to Medicine Hat. That ends the preseason. Then we go home and home with Edmonton to start it off. So Friday the 21st in Edmonton and Saturday the 22nd back here. Okay, so that that division, yeah. the, the central division with, what, the Alberta teams and, and the Could ice. Be, yeah. Um, I mean, that was a down year for that division. Oh, and the Saskatchewan it? teams were. So, is it is it on the way? Like, do you think yeah. it's going to balance? Yeah, oh, now yeah. on the on the Eastern Conference. Yeah, for sure, because Swift Current lost everybody. Right, like they, it's just, including their coach. Yeah, jettisoned out right. of there. Uh, yeah, they're going to equalize this year for sure. I think Lethbridge is the best team in the Central. Okay, uh, looking at it right now, they got quite a bit back back from last year, and they had a very good team last year. Uh, the rest of us are going to battle a bit for that second spot. If Calgary gets good goaltending, they Nick Schneider has moved. Moved on to pro. He was a 20-year-old last year in goal form. Played a ton. Uh, if they get good goaltending, Calgary's going to be a handful. Uh, Edmonton will be better. They're a year older. You're better. Uh, Red Deer, good on the back end. Good in goal. Uh, they lost a lot of scoring last year, and it wasn't a team that scored a lot to begin with. So right. we're going to see how the scoring all checks out. But, yeah, uh, Brandon Hagel uh, just got uh, sent back from the Montreal Canadiens camp. Uh, he's out of Morinville, uh, expected to be a big scorer with the Rebels. He's a four-year guy. Okay. Cam Moon is joining us here on Inside Sports. We're getting you ready for the broadcast between the Oilers rookies and the Flames rookies here at the NMAX Centrium. Cam's going to stick around. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit about the sports scene in the city of Red Deer sure. and the the divided fan base, which is uh, very unique in the province of Alberta. Inside Sports, live from Red Deer on 630 Chet. You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Thanks, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, live from the NMAX Centrium in Red Deer. Games coming up at 7. Edmonton Oilers rookies against the Calgary Flames. Rookies Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer will have the call. They will each join me in the next half hour of the show to chat about this one. Cam Moon is the play-by-play voice for the Red Deer Rebels of the Western Hockey League. He was just giving us uh, some thoughts on some of the all-time great Rebels and on uh, where the Central Division, which features the Rebels and the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, uh, how that division might do this year. Should be a step up from uh, last year that saw, well, really the Saskatchewan team. Uh, yeah. Discount Brandon, but the Saskatchewan teams were three of them especially were pretty powerful so we're in red deer yes uh we see fans coming in and you told me the other day he goes reed you're not gonna believe it it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of oilers logos a lot of flames logos uh now you're used to it and those of us who don't live here joke about it oh red deer's right down the middle but you you're saying oh, yeah. uh, pretty, pretty it's pretty, pretty close true, yeah it's pretty close it might be slightly edged towards edmonton okay and i would i would Say the reason is because of the Oilers so good in the 80s. Uh, a lot of people that would have grown up on 80s Oilers, and that has now, you know, filtered down through the ranks. 
Uh, and and so I, it might be slightly in favor of Edmonton, but I wouldn't say like by a landslide or anything. So yeah, I, I was in the lobby before they opened the doors to this place, and it's a lot uh, a lot of both. So and that's good if there's one rider's jersey. If I see one rider's jersey, yeah, that, out, that's out, not appropriate. You go. They tend you know, to. They, it always happens. They it tend to wear ha- those yep. jerseys to the most inappropriate spots. Out yeah. You go. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, I mean the hockey ri- rivalries, the Fulmers, there and Eskimo stamps thing a little bit too well it's three ways so the, ride, the riders yeah, are that strong there's here, enough right? there's enough people that that grew up in saskatchewan that live here now that i would say it's 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 a three-way so yeah if i can say if you that. can use that term, yeah if i can use which that is term. fine and, here, and you're and we've talked before you're a huge eskimos fan i've grown up in in edmonton like you mentioned yes and you but classic game saturday night and and that's what our jobs are like. You you were working. You were calling a Rebels game. Oh, so yeah. can you remove yourself from checking online or checking Twitter? So like, oh, I'm is the it worst. actually possible to say nobody tell no. me I taped it on my VHS? No, I don't. I don't do that. You know what I do? <laughs> and this is this probably says more about me than I care to mention. But I'm going to tell you anyway. If I can't watch the Eskimos live, I will I will PVR it, and then I will check to see if they won. If they won, I'll watch it. If they lost, I discard it. There are times, Reed, and again, more about me than I should tell you. The game will be getting going, and it gets a little tense, and maybe the Eskimos go south for a little while, as they've been doing this year. Yes. And I will, I will not be able to watch it anymore. And I do quite enjoy the call of Morley and Dave. And I got a little AM radio that I use when I walk my dog. And I listen to your show all the time because I usually do my dog walk around 6, 6.30-ish. So I fire you up. But then I will take the dogs for a walk and listen to it because I find that's a little easier on me. Because then I yell at the television. Right. I yell at the TV. And <laughs> I haven't thrown anything, but I do yell at it. Yeah. Right. You're you're a dedicated Eskimo fan. Yeah. Did we gonna get? Did you come up for a game this summer? Did I? Yeah. Yeah. I was up for three. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, because what now in the fall you probably can't. No, right? no. As soon as you know, it, I look every year. I always I get their schedule, and then once the Rebel schedule comes out, because if you can get any games after Labor Day, it's like a total bonus because right. it rarely ha- and this year there's not one. So that stinks a little. Cam Moon joining us on Inside Sports. So in, in terms of, I mean, the Rebels are uh, the big dogs yep. here. Um, what else? I mean, it was was it the women's volleyball program that won here for a while? Yes. Are they still going? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, at RDC, the, the Kings and Queens, they've got uh, the hockey programs, uh, volleyball, basketball, uh, all do pretty well. The hockey now has a brand new building that's opening this year. Unreal. Like, just absolutely gorgeous right on campus. And that's all part of the the Canada Winter Games are here this year. So that's all part of that. Um, So that's... That's outstanding. They do a great job over at RDC. Uh, The AAA Midgets play in the new rink downtown. Uh, The old Red Deer Arena that was here forever, uh, that the the Red Deer wrestlers used to play in in the AJHL. Well, they knocked it to the ground, built brand new exactly in the same spot, and that's where the Halinka games, uh, Halinka-Gretzky games were this year. And the AAA Midgets play there, and and, and uh, those are fun games to go to. Yeah, it's uh, the that's kind of the the hockey landscape anyway around here, and then of course we got the senior hockey too. You got the Lacombe Generals yeah, I know and the Innisfail that. Eagles, yeah. and those I don't get to a lot of them because they play quite often on the same nights as the Rebels. 
But when you do get, usually in the playoffs you get to go, it, Reed, it's insane. Like, they pack them in, they sell some beers, and it's a little bit rowdy. Yeah. That's yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. No, see, well, I mean, I got a huge connection. But no, the thing is, the Lloyd Border Kings don't have a team anymore. Like, oh, that yeah. broke my heart when I found out, I think, two, three years they haven't had a team. And uh, when I was in Lloyd, they won two Allen Cups. Yeah. And hosted two Allen Cups. Se- separate years. They yeah. never, they never yep. won at home. That's and right. And, of course, 2005. Flurry. Oh yeah, the whole uh, the, the, that's still yeah, that's yeah. still one of the most memorable news conferences slash post game with Horse Lake, right? Horse Lake yeah, Thunder yeah. Fleur. They get upset by the the by Thunder Bay, the Thunder Bay Bombers, in the semifinal. And uh, Sasha Lakovic and Theo Fleury come out for yes. the post-game interview. And it's it was the most mind-blowing, where's this going, yes. nine, nine minutes of my life. That was during the lockout And it was strike, a lockout, whatever. so there was so all they, this hype about exactly, it. Exactly. You know, like, they played here. Horse Lake played yeah, they here. Moved, they moved the Alberta Provincial Against Games to Red Bentley, Deer, yes. And this place was full. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, And they went through more kegs of beer that weekend than they do in a whole month with the Rebels. Well... With senior hockey, people like to have a beer. Well, I can't blame them. I can't Definitely. blame them at all. Uh, anybody, you're, uh, and I know you're heavily involved in WHL stuff right now, but just quickly, I'd be, you're going to be watching Poli tonight. Anybody else you really want to yeah. see? Well, I want to see uh, how I mean, Yamamoto looks. In. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't uh, think Benson's going to go, but. No, okay. Well, yeah, I'll be, and I'll be running around. I don't know. I, I've been stamping out bushfires all day, so I, yeah. I think I'll be doing that, well, that too. So this was a break for you. Yeah, doing, it really doing 25 it was. minutes of radio on uh, my on phone has course. stopped going, but yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> going like, where are How you? is this Wilkins guy? More important yeah, than stuff where? going out of the arena. All right. Well, Cap, it's it's great to see you. Thanks for letting us take over your broadcast booth. Thanks for uh, some of your Rebels memories and uh, and getting us ready yeah, for tonight's anytime. game. This is going to be a lot of fun. And you got your first intermission guest. That's confirmed. Oh, he's coming. Yeah, yeah he's coming. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, it. So Mike Moeller has done color with me since I've been here. So 20 years. Uh, Mike is from the area. Randy Moeller, his brother. Yep. Uh, Mike played in the NHL. Randy played in the NHL. Was Mike a goalie? Am I thinking no, of the no, right guy? No, no, forward. He was a forward. And he okay. played junior in Lethbridge with Brent Sutter. They were, they, one year, both had 108 points on different lines. He played, oh, he played on the World Junior Team, the very first true Team Canada in 1982 that won the gold medal. He was on that. Then he went to the, he was a second round pick of the Buffalo Sabres, played with the Sabres for a few years, then some years in the American League, got traded to the Oilers, uh, was up with the Oilers in the 87 Cup run. Uh, yeah. He's, and he's coming on first. He's coming on. Yeah, it'll be, be great. I can't wait. Oh, wait. He'll be. You talk about mayor. <laughs> We're going to have to extend the intermission. Oh, you don't have enough intermission. One hour first intermission. That's our pregame show. Moles, what do you think about the game tonight? That's it. All right, drop the puck, and we're underway. That's Cam Moon. I'm Reed Wilkins. We're live in Red Deer. We'll set the table for tonight's rookie game when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, Mike Riley and the Eskimos enjoying a bye week after the thriller over the Stampeders on Saturday. Inside Sports is live from Red Deer. The Oilers rookies and the Flames rookies are on the ice for the pregame warm-up. Rematch of Sunday's showdown in Calgary. Flames came away with a 7-3 victory that afternoon. Uh, Some other news here. The NHL suspending Predators forward Austin Watson. 28, or pardon me, 27 games. Uh, Watson pleaded no contest to a charge of domestic assault in July. The NHL Players Association says they will be filing an appeal on behalf 
of Austin Watson. So we'll keep an eye on that story. Reed Wilkins, Bob Stoffer, but I mean, clearly given some of these uh, very unfortunate situations, well, unfortunate's not the right word, but the, you know, domestic assault, you, you see the leagues cracking down a lot more than they used to, and I think they should. Yeah, and people need to understand that the, the union has a responsibility to uh, defend their clients as well. Um, do I think there will be anything changed in terms of the length of the term of the suspension? No. And uh, Austin Watson has uh, overcome some things during the course of uh, his career, and uh, that scenario is quite unfortunate, and I think that's enough said on that matter. So ready to go tonight, Bob. Uh, so the third game for the Oilers rookies, I mentioned the 7-3 loss, a 9-1 win last night over the McEwen Nate All-Stars. Shots were 68-16, Bob. Uh, I mean, and look, I have tons of respect for all the kids playing college hockey, all the men playing college hockey. They're all adults. Uh, I'm I'm the first one to support all all levels of athletes. I know they're all chasing something. But, I mean, that wasn't a competitive game. It wasn't fun to watch. It couldn't have been overly fun to play in, especially for the McEwen Nate players who did work hard. Uh, I don't know if that U of A game is coming back. I, I sure want it to. It was fun to play at Claire Drake. The, it was a, there was a great vibe. Games were a lot more competitive. I, I know there appears to be some breakdown in our, in our relationship there, but from a pure hockey standpoint and from the longevity of that game being in the city and something in the fall in the past that a lot of people would look forward to going to or following, uh, I mean, it's just better in every way if the Oilers rookies can play the Golden Bear. Yeah, um, and we'll see if you know you can repair a relationship that has nothing to do with hockey. I mean, this is a, right. a business entity, and as I stated on Oilers Now today, Reed, as you know, I worked uh, for the university for eight years and was around uh, the university for the better part of uh, 13 to 14 years in a variety of roles, but full-time for eight years. Uh, the university likes to see things go through their way. And I've now worked for the Oilers Entertainment Group for 10. And uh, working for the two entities, I can understand uh, how, uh, knowing how um, uh, maybe disciplined the approach would be in terms of negotiating uh, with both halves of this scenario, I could see how there'd be a breakdown in the relationship. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's funny what's happened here, right? Because when when I was the SID at the University of Alberta, we played the Oilers rookies at that time. It would be their first game, and the Bears were an established team. And there were some years between 2003 to 2006 where the Oilers rookies bombed yep. or got bombed, absolutely got lit up by the Golden Bears. Uh, and then, you know, as the Oilers rookies started to go into Penticton and got three games under their belt and then played the Golden Bears, well, then the complexion of the games changed a bit, and they were a lot, they were very close. So, I mean, it's been a, basically a 500 record between those two. Um, you know, the U of A would have a team this year that would have 18 skaters that played at least four years of major junior hockey. The team we saw last night from Nate McEwen had uh, two players, one forward, Thomas Foster, who'd been at Oilers camp before, and one defenseman, Colton Waltz, out of Vermillion, who'd been at Oilers camp, and they'd be the only two guys that would have played a four full years of major junior hockey on the ice. So, you know, the Nate McEwen guys, they took a uh, pocket to a gunfight. They got lucky last year. They were outshot 49-19. Had a stellar couple of goaltending performances from Mark Olivier Digg, a former U of A guy, former U of A number three goaltender, and Nathan Park, who was a backup in Nate. And those guys stoned the Oda rookies last year, and, and last night was just a war of attrition. So it was a, it was a tough night. Uh, you could 
could make an argument, right? Maybe what we need to do with the other rookies is they just play like-minded type of teams, which is other NHL rookie teams. Maybe that's the fairest well, scenario. It's going back to Penticton. But, or, but then or, you need a commitment from all the teams participating that the best draft picks are going to play. Two well, three and games. also, why does it have to be in Uh, you know, I'm not quite convinced why it has to be. Why can't it be here in Red Deer? Why can't, you know, Edmonton and Calgary drive up from Red Deer and. Stadio here. No, yeah, we're good. Okay, we're good. the Vancouver Canucks and the Winnipeg Jets stay in Red Deer. Like, why, why does it have to. Why does Penticton benefit? Maybe it saves some costs for Edmonton and Calgary. Frankly, Reed, at the minimum, what I think should happen is the Oilers and the Flames play two rookie games uh, head-to-head. One year, one game's in Calgary, and the next year the game's in Edmonton, but every year there should be a game in Red Deer between the two cities. Well, I agree. That's this is going to be sold out this tonight. Is, this you is going to be an awesome. This people. is going to be such an awesome experience and a contrast, and it truly will be uh, an opportunity for the management of the orders and the coaches of the orders to assess their players against like-minded players. Well, and that's, and that's well, my thing about last night. There was, I mean, you, I know, I, you know, and I know Jay Woodcroft said, hey, look, there's a way we want to play regardless of the opponent, yeah. so that's what they wanted to do, but when well, there's not the resistance, how do you how yeah. do you really be a far, judge it? So. Absolutely. This will be a far better opportunity to have a truer analysis of where guys are at. Uh, you talked to Ron Nugent Hopkins today on yeah. Oilers Now. Uh, really good interview. I know you pulled him away from uh, some, some of the, well, he was busy, but one of his responsibilities was talking to you. I don't want to say you pulled him away from others, but he sounded to me, uh, I mean, he's into his mid 20s. We've known him a long time, but you got to remember, he's just getting into his mid 20s. Uh, I, I heard a different maturity, focus, ease of conversation. Than you know you hear when he's younger, he, and he's talked about some really detailed things that he wants to have in his repertoire if he has to play the wing a lot. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. How much depth he went into there. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and we've all known that he's smart. I mean, the only thing that's held, two things have held that have held Nuge back, and maybe drawn criticism. He's played on a lot of bad teams. <laughs> Unfortunately, and he's been injured. Yeah, injuries. Um, I think if he plays 60 games this year with McDavid, that we could be looking at a 30-goal, 75-point player. Well, he was on pace for 30 last season without playing with McDavid till the very end. Right. But he had a lot of puck luck during the course of the year. He got a couple empty netters. He got some deflected pucks. I I think that he's a guy that... and I also think we're going to see McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins on the first unit power play. And last year, Nugent was on the second unit power play, which at times when the first unit was really struggling was much better because of the simplicity that he played with. Yep. And, and, you know, I'll be honest, uh, I, I fell in love with Ryan as a player coming down here and seeing him play. You know, there was just, and I knew his story. I knew what he'd overcome from a family perspective and some of the, you know, financial challenges and health challenges that his dad had gone through. And his dad, Roger's a terrific guy. And so I've always cheered for Ryan. And, and I'll make make no mistake, in 2011, I remember, I'll share a little story with you. I remember being at the uh, Scouts dinner in, uh, in Minneapolis and the type of person that would know who we were going to take number one said, well, I got good news for you. And I go, oh, yeah, what's that? And he goes, there's another guy that wants us to take him number one. And, he, and I go, oh, yeah. And he goes, in between the two of you, you guys have like over uh, 2,100 points. 
<laughs> and I'm like, so, and he goes, so I think that's probably good that the greatest player in the history of the game is philosophically aligned with our color guy. And so I think you're going to get your wish here that we're going to be taking Ryan. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. So, I mean, I felt, you know, he just, I mean, I know that um, Wayne Gretzky has admired the selflessness that Ryan has played with, but he has an opportunity this year to really go grab it. And this, he, he used the term pissed off. They're all mad. They're all, They're all mad. mad. And I know, hey, it's September 13th, so what does that mean? Well, they weren't we'll mad at this out, time last year. There was, uh, they were, were they a little, little bit fat and happy last year. A little year bit already? lackadaisical, and yeah. I think that there's a real, you know, there's time to get to work, and there's some guys embarrassed as what happens. So we should have some fun. All right. So tonight's game, Bob Yamamoto's back in, uh, Bears back in after getting the night off. Uh, don't expect to see uh, Bouchard. Don't expect to see Marodi, and uh, don't expect to see Benson. Obviously, the Oilers uh, cycling through some of the guys uh, in terms of their scratches, but. It, 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 Going to be. I look forward to seeing Yamamoto. A uh, little quieter game Sunday in Calgary when he played for him. Yeah, he's subtle, right? And he didn't beat a lot of guys one on one with the puck, but he he makes quick little plays in tight spaces. But he doesn't sit there and walk guys, right? And that's. You know, so you sit there and look at a first-round draft choice that's a scoring forward and think, well, you know, he should be able to beat guys all over the ice. He just does it a little bit differently. There's a uniqueness to his style. And I also think we'll see an elevation with his uh, play with every game that he plays because I think he knows the real stuff gets started here next next few games. Well, and that's what he's... <laughs> I mean, he's he's he, in, in a. I, I said this about Kyler a couple of weeks ago on on the show. In, in a world populated with alpha males who have no shortage of confidence, Kyler's confidence I, even stands out in that environment. Yeah. I mean, he tells you what he wants to do, how he's going to do it, and he's he's had to do that because you know he's the old story. Every training camp he's shown up to, every team he's tried out for. Who's that small guy? Is he going to be able to do it? You know what they say, Ryan? Big guys, or what they say, Reed, uh, big guys have to prove they can't play, and small guys have to prove they can. Yeah. I think he's going to prove he can. I'm pretty. I'm, I'm you got pretty Jack confident. coming up here, eh? Jack's coming up. John Shannon's here. This is wow. a nice, uh, wow. nice surprise. I think he wants to talk to you, though. Uh oh. I, I think I owe him some money. <laughs> All righty, Bob. Thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on tonight. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll bring in Jack Michaels. We're getting you ready for the rookie game. Top of the hour. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, six thirty, Chad. Live from Red Deer, Edmonton Oilers rookies taking on the Calgary Flames. Rookies, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Final rookie game for the Oilers. Main camp starts tomorrow. And as I mentioned earlier, no uh, no update on Darnell Nurse. So we uh, we don't expect to see him around. He was skating the uh, final informal skate for several Oilers players at the downtown community rink. Reed Wilkins joined by Oilers play-by-play voice Jack Michaels, who, of course, will, uh, will call this game 7-3. The Oilers lost in Calgary Sunday, a 9-1 win last night over the McEwen Nate All-Stars. Uh, Jack, uh, ready to go again here against the Flames rookies. You know, Bob and I were saying Yamamoto uh, back in. I think he'll want to you know, probably show a little better than he did, uh, did on Sunday afternoon. For sure, and he'll probably need to, Reed, because if you look at what the situation is tonight, I think you can make a strong argument that the three players who've played the best for the Edmonton Oilers rookies through two games, it's admittedly a small sample size, are not in uniform tonight. No. And that's Tyler Benson, Caleb Jones, and Evan Bouchard. To me, they've been the three most important, you know, most impressive players. I will say that, you know, you still got Ryan McLeod in there. He's looked awfully good. 
I excited to see what Kyler Yamamoto brings to the table tonight. I also think Ethan Bear will probably be as uh, a little more assertive. I think Bear is the kind of guy that sees his game as potentially building uh, toward what he wants to prove to the coaches, which is in NHL preseason games, in order to necessarily put him in the mix for a top seven spot on the Oilers defense to start the year. So those are some guys to pay attention to tonight. Uh, certainly, you know, if guys are going to make a run at it, you know, a, a guy that off the beaten track like a, a Joseph Gambardella, you know, You've got to do something in this game to, you know, get on that radar and to propel yourself into the preseason. Because when you get preseason games at this year's camp, you better do something or you might be on the outside looking in. Well, Gambardella, you know, I talked to him earlier and he tries to be that Swiss Army knife guy who who is uh, good at everything. When I did that interview with him, I didn't know that would include maybe a little bit of fisticuffs, which he did pretty well in against Marishko on Sunday afternoon. He did really well. I mean, was that not... evidence of just a huge guy all of a sudden matched up with a professional hockey player. I mean, Gambardella looked like a pro in that fight. He knew what he was doing and Mareshko, who you know handled a smaller man earlier in the game, uh, had no answers for Gambardella. That was that was impressive. So he certainly made an impact there, and I think he'll look to do the same tonight. Again, we're talking about a long shot to make the hockey club. I don't think Joseph. Oh no, he's, he's a depth. He's guy an in the American. Yeah, yeah, he's an American hockey league player. But in his eyes, he's thinking. If I can do enough, well, maybe I'm the guy yeah. that... You're planting seeds. Absolutely. Mid-season, there's injuries, there's struggles, whatever. Maybe I'm the guy. Can they trust me for six games if absolutely. they need me for six games? And yeah. it's also a big opportunity tonight for Olivier Rodrigue. He gets well, it is. Yep. It's first, his first start in Oiler colors, and he's eager to prove what he can do. Second well. uh, second Oilers goal, or second goaltender taken in the draft in Dallas. First North American goaltender taken, so he comes with a pretty strong pedigree and some pretty solid expectations and the Oilers goaltending um, I mean it wasn't a great game for Skinner nor Wells on Sunday afternoon and, and Parsons was maybe the best player overall in that game especially if you look at his work through the first 30 minutes and then hard to judge the goaltending last night with the territorial domination so de- definitely a chance for Rodrigue to, to really step up. We're in Red Deer Jack. I, I, I know I often, I often touch on this with you because um, you've called games in a lot of leagues and a lot, and a lot of buildings and the minute there, we met here before the game and the minute you walked into this booth you were like oh yeah this this will work you like this spot absolutely i'm perched like a gargoyle right at center (laughs) ice i'm I'm poised to strike this is an outstanding facility i mean this for me takes me right back to minor pro and for you obviously uh working the beaten path on the western hockey league and the aj for so many years reed i mean this is what uh to me a junior rink should look like it is it is a beautiful facility and it stood the test of time i mean people don't realize this is 27 year old building all of a sudden and it looks like it was built yesterday they keep it clean it's a nice venue it's an ob- obvious you know bright mark in terms of its broadcast location but i also think and not just for evan poli and a number of the western oculate guys it's a great homecoming i mean everyone's going to feel at home in this type of facility and i'm expecting a get up and after it type of game i will say this though reed after being in town today where it just seemed like maybe 90 percent of other guys, I'll give 
I'll give Calgary some credit here. Their fans have made the trip. There's a smatter, more than a smatter oh, yeah. of red here tonight, and I didn't anticipate seeing that. I felt it'd be more blue and orange. Right now, it's fairly equal. Jack Michaels joining us at Inside Sports. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll have the game between the Edmonton Oilers rookies and the Calgary Flames rookies. Right now, it is 6.54, and of course, I want to remind you, and uh, Jack always loves hearing this. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing Edmonton down-home southern food and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. You know, I don't have our... The our, emphasis our, is there on is some. Is some. Like, <laughs> yeah, you got to be Reed's favorite. Or you have, to win a, you have to win a bet against me. I know. Well, I had to win a bet. It's not enough that I come on your show. I think that should be enough. But I had to win a bet. So you play favorites with this Northern Chicken. I think that particular information needs to be revealed. You do. Well, you, you play just favorites. Did. Yes, I do. Yeah. And and I'm not you're on not that list. One, you're not on the list. And quite yes, frankly, yes. I'm insulted. And, you know, I'm going to say enjoy the stands tonight. You're no longer welcome. I think booth. I have to sit behind that pillar. That's where I'm watching well, from. I've asked Cam to make sure you're seated in the most uncomfortable position possible. <laughs> An obstructed view. Seat. I've actually brought in a pole from Fenway Park. And oh, thanks, 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 yeah. Jack. I, I, I was trying to transport one from Wrigley Field, but it was cheaper coming from coming Boston. Coming from Boston, yeah. for sure. Hey, uh, I, 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 we, we always touch on some other things going on in the sports world. And, uh, you know, I know it was, uh, it was on the weekend, but you and I haven't had a chance to discuss it on or off air. Uh, you go to Wimbledon. How many years in a row have you been? So you've, you've seen a lot of tennis in yes. person. You love tennis. Um, the Serena Williams thing had everybody. It was funny. I got home from the Labor Day rematch and put on Sports Center, and their first set of highlights was the women's final and all the sound like it was 10 minutes all the sound of serena getting mad the umpire and then the post-game reaction i i kind of look at that i I, i've never seen the coaching call before you've watched more than i have i've never seen that warning that set everything off i also thought though there's a point where an athlete has to say okay i've made my point I, i I need to just shut up and play. I, I, I can't keep going. I kind of tend to blame both the umpire and Serena in that situation. But you've attended matches, and, you know, you've watched a lot more. Absolutely. Here's what I have to say about Serena. I think that that was escalated in part by the fact that I believe the umpire treated Serena differently than he has treated male players. Uh, specifically, Rafael Nadal comes to mind with that particular umpire. I think he was a little hypersensitive to her comments. I do think Serena lost control, and I think that there's some history with Serena. She got herself defaulted in the finals of 2009, very nearly did it again a couple years later against Samantha Stozer. And in 2009, that was against a, a newly returned Kim Kleisters, who was a mom. So when she went to the mom card, I couldn't help but thinking, hey, you know, it kind of worked the reverse when you were defaulted in the finals back in 2009. So I... I really, and this is going to sound ridiculous, this is going to sound like Newman saying cut the bike down the middle, (laughs) but I honestly believe there's a half and half there. I I do think Serena has a good point when she chastised him and the referee for treating her differently because she was a woman. I I believe there's something to that. I really do. I felt like he got his back up 
in a way that he would not have against the premier male player. You're telling me that if Roger Federer or Rafael Nadal called him a thief, he would have come back with a game penalty against one of the... I don't buy that for a second. However, I do concur with your statements. Serena has a track record, a la McEnroe, when he got defaulted in 1990. And when you've got a track record, a little more eyes are on you, and you've got to understand that in certain situations, you're going to walk the line a lot closer than maybe another player without that history of unsportsmanlike conduct. So I'm going to go 50-50 on that one. I know it sounds like a cop-out, but I believe the one who really paid the price was Osaka. Yeah, and absolutely. I feel We're not terrible. even talking about the I champ. I feel yeah. terrible for her because her moment was completely ruined, and I hold the umpire and Serena equally responsible. Actually, we did talk about this off-air because you brought up that McEnroe incident tonight, and I went back and watched some of the video from right. that. Yeah, he was uh, he was creative in his use of language. Yeah, Let's just absolutely. put it that way. I, yeah. yeah. And again, that that's something that, you know, whenever you integrate uh, the mom into things, yeah. you're, you're heading The thing is with McEnroe, he, he never... Now I was I was you know younger when he was at his peak, but he, he McEnroe was just always kind of like yeah I, I know I'm wrong like I know right. I'm being a jerk like he would never really defend it he might just say like Correct. yeah I didn't like the call and yeah I, I lost it right okay. and, and Serena you know the thing with Serena is she doesn't really uh, cop to any culpability on her part and I don't care for that but I also think this whole umpire is threatening to boycott that's ridiculous yeah that is yeah this guy was also wrong and I think. It was a classic case, and my mother said it for years. Two wrongs don't make a right. The umpire and Serena were wrong on Saturday, and the real shame of it is it robbed Osaka of the enjoyment of what should have been the crowning achievement and hopefully the beginning of a very fruitful career. Yeah, it's been an interesting uh, discussion point for a lot of people around their water coolers this week for sure. Jack, thanks for making time for me. Uh, I know you're getting ready to call the game in 8 minutes and 23 seconds. That's what the big clock says. If you say so, I'll be ready. But have fun with Bob. Absolutely. Kellen, Kellen Kennedy, the student producer, thanks for your hard work. Oh, a little tonight. rush. I like Look at it. this. This is great. And I'll be back during the intermission with Mike Moeller, former Edmonton Oiler, now a color analyst on Red Deer Rebels broadcast. Let me see a little air guitar read. This good? That's not yeah, bad. Yeah, that. There, there we go. Talk to you soon, everybody. Enjoy the game. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.